Coming to you from our opulent and luxurious 4x8 refurbished broom closet at the National Headquarters in Indianapolis. With duct tape, studio lights, and a mic that you barely can hear, we hope to entertain and educate you. This is the Tango Alpha Lima Podcast. They call me crazy because I'm facing all my giants. They try to scare me into thinking I can fight it. They tell me I should never even think of trying. But that's just me. I'm going to live out in defiance. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Tango Alpha Lima podcast, the best 20 minutes you can spend every two weeks until they reopen all the Irish pubs. I am your host, Mark C.V., the Special Projects Counsel for the American Legion. I'm joined, as always, by my friends and co-hosts, Jeff from California, Ashley coming at us from the nation's capital. Uh, just as a quick reminder for those who haven't listened before, Jeff Daly is a former Marine and a member of Post 43 in Hollywood, originally from Kalamazoo, Michigan. While Ashley Gorbolja Maldonado is originally from Ohio, where she attended the University of Akron. And she was the commander of Akron Post 808. Uh, she's a former member of the military police, where she served as a sergeant in the Ohio Guard. And as for me, I served unremarkably as an infantry squad leader in Afghanistan, where I earned a combat infantryman's badge and notably never a good conduct medal. Uh, all right, guys. So we are now... What two months into this thing? I'm uh, I'm working my way through Netflix as we talked. I don't like to branch out a lot, so I'm watching the same things over and over again. I will not be watching Tiger King uh, this week. I got sucked into a nine-hour documentary on the Revolutionary War. I'm on season three of the TV show Eureka, which has been off the air for I don't know like six years, and I have watched some random episodes of Supernatural. Uh, and when not doing that, I'm playing Lord of the Rings online, which is a really worthy endeavor. And uh, uh, that's when I'm not working at home, which is actually more productive than being in the office. But how are you all dealing with it? Jeff, what do you got going on? Uh, this whole staying inside is really tough because it's California and California weather is amazing. But when I do go outside, I see crazy people, and it sends me back inside really quickly. <laughs> I'm also becoming a really great self-taught chef, and I'm going to have the girth to show it at the end of all of this. I'm going to gain that COVID-19 a couple of times over, probably. And I've seen a lot of people who are learning new skills, like actually learning new skills online, and I'm thinking about doing a couple of those. Uh, you know, being a life coach and uh, one of the people that's an officiant for a wedding, I think I'll, you know, spend a little time doing stuff like that. Wow. I'm really happy so, you're diversifying your portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> you're at least trying to better yourself. I'm just trying to exist. <laughs> Ashley, what do you got going on? Um, so I am hard charging. I'm doing some cool things with my business right now. Um, my spare time, I've been working on my book, which is pretty cool. So I've been taking a six-week six week class to better understand um, independent publishing, traditional publishing, self-publishing, um, in hopes that I can um, hopefully finish my book this year, which will be super exciting. So that's not an intended plug, but like that's just what I'm doing with my COVID time. Um, just trying to find creative outlets. Um, I you know, I too haven't really branched out a whole lot with my shows. Um, I'm a, a worthy binge, you know, binge watcher of stuff. I'm really happy that you dove into Supernatural. I'm a big uh, Dean fan. Mm. Oh yeah, all day. Yeah, it's their Way final season too. Sam. Final I, season. I gotta be. I punched out right around 
season nine is kind of the last one I watch yeah. regularly. It gets too weird after that. Yeah, it's just, it's just the time. Every, all the timeline gets a little mushy after that, and it's like mm, I like my originals when it goes back, and they're just kind of like still figuring out what they're doing. I, Wait, I, you guys are still talking about Supernatural, right? Yeah. It's, it's probably oh, it's the greatest TV show of all time. Like okay. it's just words. You're just saying words right now to me. It's it's <laughs> it's like talking to you about Tiger King. It's like talking to you about Tiger King. What was I can't even think of what Jim Beaver's name was. He was like their cranky drunken uncle. He was spectacular. Oh, he, he was, uh, uh, yes, I know. Bobby, um, Bobby, Bobby Fisher, wasn't it Bobby? No, Bobby something rather. Um, yeah, Bobby I, was I great. I like him and the Angel Castiel. I, I, how yes. can you not watch this? What are you out of your mind? <laughs> it's just one of those guilty pleasures. If, it's if a, that's that the trailer metric. Park Boys does it for me. I don't know about y'all. Like I know people are always like, "Why do you watch that?" I'm like, I love stupid stuff. Like I like comedy things that are just a little bit more bizarre than normal i'm totally into yeah i I gotta punch out like the five the last five minutes of every episode where they sit on the car and talk about their feelings like i i can't really do (laughs) that like i love you dean no like we're brothers (laughs) but we don't need to like each other but i love you it's like dude shut up go hunt something you are not enticing me to watch this Uh, a little bit it's it's supernatural it's supernatural the last five minutes no, it sounds super nerdy. I couldn't do it. Every 16-year-old yeah. girl and 49-year-old male should watch that show. It's spectacular. <laughs> Did you hear they're coming out with a new Twilight book? Uh, speaking of, speaking of, oh boy. You, you said it, and it just made me think of it. Like, I know that there's going to be a new Twilight series. I, I, I hope that Supernatural and Twilight have a crossover, and Sam That'd and Dean something. kill everyone in it. That would be spectacular. Stake yes. through the heart. Do it up. Yeah. yeah, including just... the ratings, so I never have to have this conversation again. <laughs> well, just, hey, hey, might as well do a full crossover. Just get Warner Brothers, and we'll start doing uh, more vampires. Um, what's what are a few of those other shows? Um, you mean everything Trump on the CW? Yeah, like Charm. Oh, CW is it CW? Okay. I think I think it, all it, of I mean, those together. Right, the one hundred. You could throw them in there somewhere. All those shows are. <laughs> basically the same show but on different things my wife did catch me watching uh, charmed with the kids the other day and that was not a great not a great moment for us yeah. was that after you were having the what color should we paint the door yeah no that would that was that discussion happened much later in the day i, would, I think i think i needed to watch charmed to, to get ready for the what color my wife wants to paint uh the front door like some sort of neon green which makes it really difficult to camouflage yourself in suburbia when you have like this bright colored front door well just borrow uh, jeff's will be you know we'll do like a color match oh. you show your wife like hey here's a few greens and then like steer towards like the forest green right like, the darkest it's, green yeah it's, it, there's <laughs> there are there are two colors i like od green and forest green oh that's pretty much it <laughs> outside of that <laughs> i gotta i gotta say no all right Believe it or not, we are going to get on topic here. Um, What? uh, Crazy. Uh, So the first thing I wanted to talk about is a story that was in Task and Purpose. And it was about the top name for tanks, for armored vehicles. And it's probably not going to come as a surprise to anyone out there, especially after this discussion, that I'm kind of a nerd. Uh, And so when I go to sleep at night, I listen to books about history anthropology, cultural evolutionism, all these other things. 
but I'm listening to a book right now called Non-Zero, The Logic of Human Destiny. And as it turns out, it was talking in there about how uh, at one time hunter-gatherers were viewed as peaceful, you know, coexisting and loving and everything. And then a little more research turned out that no, they would they would kill each other at the same veracity as everyone else. But it talked in there about how warriors in Fiji would name their weapons. One guy had a club named Damaging Beyond Hope, and another one had a spear named The Priest is Too Late, which I thought was just a <laughs> spectacular name. Like, if I had a spear, it would definitely be called The Priest is Too Late. So anyway, it gets us to this Task and Purpose article, which says that uh, naming tanks is a long-standing tradition in the ranks of the U.S. military with its own rules and regulations. The Sierra Army Depot in California, where M1 Abram tanks go after they die, even keeps a list of names drawn from its stockpile of retired gun tubes. Now here, briefly, you're not going to be able to read this if you're watching on TV or whatever, but we have a list of it, and some of them are like Crazy Train, Battle Wagon, uh, a can of whoop ass is the name of one tank. Uh, Braveheart is another one. Crazy Horse. Did you guys get a chance to look through the list of names? I'm I'm looking at it right now, and I'm just there's I, one called Cold Beer. Cold Beer. Mm. I liked the uh, can of whoop ass, and I think I would name one can of spam because I can't think of anything more lethal <laughs> than meat <laughs> that never expires. So I actually did a little bit more research, and it turns out that tanks, the first letter is what number, basically, they are on the unit. So your first tank would start with an A, your second with a B, your third with a C, and so forth. That's why there's a lot of A's, like, yeah, Cold Beer, Ain't Skeered, Bounty Hunter, a lot of names. My favorite here, I'm just going to flat out tell you, is uh, Bohica. You guys know what Bohica is? Nope. Mm -mm. So when we went to Afghanistan, we actually had a guide on that we had made out of a VS-17 panel and had written Bohica on it. And we convinced my commander that it was actually a Native American tribe that was known for their fierce like whatever. But that obviously wasn't true. And he saw right through it. But Bohica stands for bend over, here it comes again. <laughs> and he was running around with the Bohica flag. Only the only one I ever saw that was better than that was somebody in Bosnia when I was there had one that said Fubajar, which uh, loosely translates to "Forget you, buddy. I'm just a reservist," which I <laughs> thought was a pretty clever name. But Jeff, did you have any of these uh, tank names that you really? Well, like I said, the, the whoop-ass one really stuck out to me. And all of this tank stuff is kind of uh, draining from my interest because I read the Marine Corps is getting rid of using tanks. I don't really understand. So I guess it'll be the ghost of killing past will be my new favorite name. But they're not oh, getting rid of good. LAVs or anything, one. right? There's a one more time. They're not getting rid of LAVs and all that other stuff, are they? Uh, the article I said was specific to tanks because the way that they're going to be a little more nimble in their mission and that we foresee some uh, island hopping campaigns coming up hmm. in, in the future, possibly with China or other places. Other oh, places other where places. you can island hop? So we're not invading Canada, places. I think is what you're saying. So, or the Bahamas. I don't think we're worried about doing that. 
but we could if we needed we to. <laughs> If I could, I, there's another one on this list that I think is pretty funny. It's called Absolute 120 Proof. <laughs> Sorry, it's just great. I'm surprised there's not one that's uh, Cat 4. Well, we don't know because we only have a partial list, and there's okay. thousands of them out there apparently. But some I of hope these there's are, a Cat 4 out there. Some of these are pretty clever. I I I don't I don't hate these names. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think we should. I think there should be some kind of museum dedicated to these tank names, like an and, honorary, like an honorary list from all etched right, a plaque, bronze, black. Yes, right. oh, that'd be amazing. To those tanks that gave their all, and then it's like a can of whoop ass <laughs> across. The, can you get? You can buy a your, screen, and it could be like Star Wars epic, where it just goes right. into the back. That'd be amazing. Or you, or you can buy your own brick with your tank's name on it. So that'd, that'd be cool. Like, that'd right? be something I, neat for the the museums to do. Indeed. All right. Uh, <clears throat> before we get to topic two, yeah. uh, real quick, um, I bet you all did not know that the American Legion, the American Legion Auxiliary, played a big part in getting the American Heart Association revived after World War II. In 1946, the association was small, barely known, and financially struggling. That's the American Heart Association, not us. At the time, heart disease was killing one in four Americans, and veterans were highly susceptible. Rheumatic fever had been a big problem for many in that generation. So the American Legion committed $25,000, and the auxiliary matched it. The American Legion family's $50,000 kick-started the AHA went on to lead the nation in support for heart research that continues on to today. This little-known fact, and hundreds more like it, can be found in Century of Service, an illustrated history of the American Legion, which you can buy online for only $9.95 plus shipping. Order yours today at legion.org forward slash emblem sales. It is an excellent book. I have seen it. I have read it. And there are a lot of interesting facts that most people do not know about the American Legion. So highly, highly commend that book to you. All right, Jeff, you are up on topic two. What do you got for us today? All right. I have been listening to people whine and complain about the stay-at-home thing. They use hyperbolic phrases like being on lockdown as an excuse for not getting anything done. Well, there are some American Legion and uh, Sons members who, out, who are literally on lockdown and doing more than most posts that I know about. So this is post 201 inside the Idaho State Correction Center. It was chartered in early 2017, and it's the first of its kind in Idaho. I don't know about other states. They have 34 Legionnaires and 25 sons at this post that is on literal lockdown. Now think about that number while I tell you what they've done. They, uh, the Idaho Department of Correction officials would like at least 30,000 masks made they have, uh, they, in a bike shop, they've put in 268 hours and completed 46 bikes that will be donated to local children at no cost to the family. They have a color guard that's only done 10 hours recently due to uh, coronavirus restrictions, 150 hours crocheting, making blankets, uh, toy cleaning in the visiting room, nine hours, weeds and seeds, don't know what that is, but it's 68 hours of that, poppies. Now for the Department of Idaho Auxiliary, they put in 271 hours and made 3,150 poppies. Uh, they've done 235 hours of COVID cleaning and 55 hours of administrative cleaning. This is like 
That's intense. 50 pe- That's awesome. This is 50 people. And I think that it's amazing because these are these are people who serve their country and I would assume that a certain percentage of them are in that position because of some because of some uh, complications that arose because of their service. And a lot of times the community sees them as criminals, but now they're seeing them as contributors. And what was once a, a felonious action has now turned into some philanthropic actions. And I think it's going to do well for them. And I hope that I hope that the spotlight on this will get them uh, some specialized help that they probably have that's different than other prisoners in the in that system, so that maybe they can come out of this and be even more productive to society because they are productive right now. I mean, in fact, he's the guy, the commander of Post 201, his name is Albert Ciccone. He says it makes you feel like a citizen of this world because we all want to come together and help out. That's redeeming in here. The one thing that I will say, because I can't not make a joke, is that there is an irony in the fact that they're making all of these masks when the stereotypical picture of a criminal is wearing a mask while doing your crime. In fact, I thought about that yesterday when I was in the bank. I'm like, two months ago, they would be tackling me for wearing this mask in a bank. Now they won't let me in without one. Mm -hmm. So kudos to uh, Post 201 in Idaho, and they are doing great, great stuff. We do do actually have a lot of posts that are in prisons, and I have heard nothing but praise about those posts, not just from like the people that run the prison, but the people who are in the Legion inside the prison. And one in particular, and and I actually should have done the research, but I know that there was one in, I think, Virginia that raises enough money to send one local boy to Boys State each year. And I think that's just amazing that here's people who blew their chance at life, basically, that they're in prison. Something went tragically wrong and they still care enough to work hard to make what little they can to try to send a boy to boy state to make better of himself and i that to me that's very humbling i would like to think that if i screwed up that royally and got in a bad place i would do something but the reality is i'd probably be tunneling like shawshank style you know like that's why we don't have the good conduct model right (laughs) (laughs) again Oh no, Ashley she snorted. snorted. I know. This oh, good I'm gosh. I'm, I'm really working on my joke game, and he just set it up perfectly, and I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See, you I got, got Salty Sergeant to smile over there, so we're good. <laughs> it's been a rough day for me. It's, wait until this bookshelf collapses. Then everybody can laugh at me because it, it happened before we started filming today. I did want to say, um, for those of you that don't know, that National Poppy Day is coming up on May 22nd. So for those of you who aren't aware, and this will kind of roll into my story, um, but the National Poppy Day um, is, you know, you wear a red poppy for a nationally recognized symbol of sacrifice worn by Americans um, since World War One to honor those who have served and died our country in all wars. Um, so to see that they made 3,000, and if you've ever seen the paper poppies, yeah. they're very, like, very delicate. It takes time, and it's, it's very meticulous, like, uh, work. Um, and you know, they're all like thin paper mache. Um, I used to do some stuff when I worked at a community college and we used to 
purchase poppies and we would lay them in for our memorial ceremony. So that was a, I just wanted to point that out because I was like 3,000 of those. Like I have rewrapped bundles of those and I have had to like re-moisturize my hands. Like those are a, a labor of love truly. But yes, National Poppy Day um, is coming up May 22nd. It's the day point. after my birthday. Oh, look at you. Oh, really? Because my mm -hmm. birthday's at the end of May, too. Oh. Oh. And CV? Uh, July. Yeah, but you're not in our club. I think we may yeah. have to institute some drinking for the uh, younger people's <laughs> birthdays here. <laughs> my birthday is May 28th. The, the idea of making poppies may, makes me sweat, even though this room's already 120 degrees. But, like... I, at one point, I decided I didn't have enough patience, so I bought one of those wooden modeling kits to make a ship. And now I have sort of a keel that's like glued to a piece of wood, and then probably five or six hundred pieces of wood sitting in a box next to it. And it's been there for about three years, <laughs> and it's never getting put together. I just I don't have the patience for it. I don't couldn't do it. So kudos to them. All right, topic number three, Ashley. What do you have for us today? All right, so for those of you that don't know, I am a little bit of a history buff. However, I'm not like you history buff where I hmm. like sit and watch revolutionary, you know, documentaries for Great my documentary. COVID experience. But um, big lover of history, and I wanted to talk about the Hello Girls. So the Hello Girls, there's currently a um, Congressional Gold Medal Act that was put into place, um, I think it was March 28th, and they're continuing to build this bipartisan bill to honor over 220 American women who served as phone operators in the U.S. Army Signal Corps in France during World War I. Um, they were recruited by General John J. Pershings in 1917. So this is before women could vote, by the way, and I want to point that out, very important, um, because we just celebrated 100 years of the suffrage movement. So these are women who raised their right hand and, um, you know, pretty much deployed, went to France, and, you know, for this to only be like 220, 230 women at max, they were able to make through this whole duration, connected over 26 million calls in support of the war effort and continued to serve in Europe to organize and return American forces following the armistice. So could not believe that it took 60 years for these women to be recognized, like petitions, you know, going to congressmen and women, just back and forth. And it took 60 years for them to even get recognized as as service members because yeah. the way the way it was written was that benefits were to be given to male you know soldiers airmen etc so these women were pretty much written out of history but if you think about it um these women were recruited in in kind with at&t if you can believe that or not like at&t has been around for a long time so these women were receiving letters and being recruited by both at&t and the army to um, pretty much go on the front lines. Um, there are some situations where these women were, you know, doing it faster than men. Uh, I think the record, it took 10 seconds for women to, you know, collect a, uh, connect a call where it was taking like men like a minute. And these weren't just like general to general calls. These were battlefield calls. So what this was doing was completely changing the war front and communications. So if you think about women in tech, which is another big proponent because I'm a woman in tech as well. Like these were like the trailblazers and they were also in the service, but they never got the recognition of being in the service. So right now there is um, legislation, if you will, a bipartisan bill out there to 
uh, award the Congressional Gold Medal, which is the highest civilian award bestowed by Congress. So it, it would pretty much go to family members of these amazing women who trailblazed and pretty much, if I'm being honest, like 230 women in AT&T helped save the Army. I'm just putting it out there. Because yeah. there's, no, there's no way. The really, the really shameful thing is that they were brought in, they were in Army uniforms, yeah, they were they sent were to uniforms. a theater of war, they served alongside men, they did all these things, they came home, and then they were told, by the way, you didn't actually you serve in were. the military, which is just insane. But uh, in November of 1977, Jimmy Carter signed the GI Bill Improvement Act of 1977, which allowed the U.S. Army Signal Corps female telephone operators to apply for and receive veteran status. So they came home in 19, and in 1977 they were allowed to try to uh, apply to be recognized as a veteran. That's it's crazy. It's and completely the, insane. It, it's even just, what's happening. Even what's happening right now. The the award they're. I don't understand why they're being given the highest civilian award and not some retroactive yeah. some retroactive military award. Uh, I'm sure there's some procedural problem yeah. with that. Yeah, uh, and I'm glad you brought that up because as I was reading this, I was like, but they were service members. Right. They were veterans. You the know problem, I mean? So when I see that. The, the military can give out unit awards, you know, presidential unit citation and things of that nature. But to recognize a body of people, they do the Congressional Gold Medal. And, and some of the more recent ones, and the American Legion is active in all of these, by the way. And you can look it up. And the American Legion very much supports this cause through resolution. But some of the other ones are like the USS Indianapolis that mm, sank and everyone got eaten by sharks and everything. Um, that was another case where they passed the Congressional Gold Medal to recognize those people. So the Congressional Gold Medal is kind of like trying to show their appreciation. I agree with you. They need more than that. And to me, it's just it's unfathomable that it took this long. I, I, I don't even no, know. I'm what curious. To say. It's, right. I'm it's curious so, about I'm yeah. curious about something, though. If are they considered veterans in the terms of could they join a veteran service organization like the American Legion, even though they're probably all passed, but that would make their offspring eligible for sons and auxiliary as well and i'm wondering yes. if is that so yeah. are they yeah oh cool mm -hmm. and there's um it's a little known thing you can actually get into the american legion if you serve not just in the armed forces but it's like the there's a few other really small things that you can get in it's like the if it's in a uniform services like uniform services health administration or something of that nature there's little little things in the membership that would allow right. and these these women were eligible to serve yes but mm -hmm. you know like i i keep wondering what like what about the gi bill i guess i mean if they got it in 1977 and the youngest of them at that point had to have been 77 years old like i'm thinking they weren't going to mit or stanford at 77 years old like it's just a shame that we waited this long to do it but uh, yeah, the American Legion does have a resolution supporting the Congre uh, Congressional Gold Medal for the Hello Girls, and it's it's not just time; it's it's well past time to get that one done. Well past time. Absolutely, and I just I think it's incredibly important. Um, I 
am very much so a strong supporter of the Women in Military Service Memorial. I think there's a lot of value to sharing stories. And um, with these women of World War One, they really were the, the trendsetters, if you will. They were the tech gurus. They were the ones making things happen and connecting you know, our, our, our men and women that were on the front lines um, with those that were back at home. So it was an important contribution. And I want to just, you know, encourage those that are out there to continue for, as women, like continue to share your stories. I know March uh, Women's History Month has passed, but like that service is valuable. And, you know, we have to continue to, to push forward on, on these things because we do matter and we need to be in the history books just as much as, as men are in the history books. And kind of speaking in a similar vein here, um, to getting everything you're entitled to as a veteran, um, everyone should be aware that at any one time, there's more than 3,000 accredited American Legion service officers out there at work at uh, on no less than 750,000 cases, and they do it free of charge to help veterans understand and apply for the benefits they're due. Uh, no one helps more veterans with benefits, appeals, or basic needs at the state and the VA levels. So visit legion.org and click find a service officer to locate an accredited American Legion service officer near you. Have either of you gone through that process? Have you, did you get I'm going a, through it right now. And <laughs> it's, it's not easy without a service officer. I assume you have a service officer. I, I do. Um, I am, um, I'm very grateful for my service officer. Um, I'm still working it back through Ohio just because of connections and they knew my story from the beginning. Um, so I'm really grateful that the American Legion provides the service. I, you know, I have for years been sending folks that have ever had benefit questions when I was working at the community college, when I was at the university, um, the Legion has always been there to answer the questions. Like if I don't know what my VA, you know, review letter means, right. That right. first point of contact for my disability, like I immediately would go find someone who knew what it was. And that was the Legion. So I'm very grateful. So I'm going through that process right now and it's been really laissez-faire. Like I was able to give them everything, all the evidence, everything. And like my buddy Bill is just doing a great job and he's just wrapping it all up, putting a bow on it and he's sending it to appeal. So I'm really grateful for it because there's a lot of stuff, even as somebody who, who works in the, the VA organization, like there's so many steps. And it's yep. like an onion. And I tell people all the time, it's like peeling back an onion and everybody is their own individual case. So yep. having that support, having someone be able to break it down to you pretty much like Barney style, like that's what I needed. And that was what was provided to me. I'm, I've, uh, it's one of my goals actually is to, is to tackle that beast. And, uh, you know, from joining the Legion and in particularly being on the executive committee for LA County Council, where one of the main purposes of that is to hire, uh, pay, and, and supervise service officers in LA County that work in the, the various VA hospitals. And I see the results of the work they're doing. I hear the stories of the people that they've helped. And then I'm sitting here, sitting here going, why am I not? <laughs> I know about it. I send people to it. Why am I not utilizing mm -hmm. that? Because I, I feel like the, my VA rating is severely underrepresented, up, up underrepresented, and it has nothing to do with my speech, oddly enough. <laughs> so <laughs> I need to jump on that and and lead by example because it is it is one of the primary reasons that uh, this organization 
is so important to so many people and it's all and and to to make it super clear our vso's our service officers don't only work with legion members they'll work with any veteran so when any Mm -hmm. so anybody that walks into that va hospital and walks in to see that service officer the the american legion they should know that those services are available to them as well absolutely absolutely all right let us go to rapid fire and i know ashley in particular has been super excited about this one so excited for those of you can't see my face super excited (laughs) uh an article from space.com appropriately (laughs) enough and uh i'm not going to be able to do it justice just reading it but the space force tv show teaser is out you need to go and watch it uh According to Space.com, this show takes the workplace comedy genre to a new cosmic level. Instead of leading a small team at a paper company like he did in The Office, Steve Carell is leading the entire United States in space. Much like NASA's current goals with the Artemis program in the show, General Nayard's prime objective seems to be to return to land on the moon. Um, Not only does it have uh, Steve Carell, it's got... John Malkovich, uh, Jane Lynch, which I know you said you loved, uh, Ben Schwartz, Noah Emmerich, Tawny Newsome, Diedrich Bader, who is forever going to be the guy from Office Space. It was like two chicks at the same time, man. The guy, one of the funniest movies of all time, but Diedrich Bader, hilarious human being, and Jimmy Yang, who I have to admit I don't know. But Ashley, tell us how excited you are for the Space Force TV show and just the teaser alone. I'm so excited. So huge Steve Carell fan. Like I have watched The Office front and forward so many times. I like Pam is like my spirit animal. Jim and Pam were like my relationship goals. I was like, (laughs) oh, this would be great. I want to have a work culture like that. Like they're just crazy. Like I've always wanted a Dwight in my life. So to like fast forward into this and I'm seeing just kind of the the um just kind of the hilarity of the announcement and then him trying to figure out some of this in little like just these little micro bits of this um trailer i'm just i'm so excited and i'm really a big fan of um of jane lynch i think she's i think she's hilarious she does great mockumentaries and um i'm pretty i I can't remember if she's an ohio girl no i think she's from illinois but absolutely so excited because she's like i'm just excited Jeff, are you gonna that. finally watch this or what? We, I've I watched the trailer. Is oh, I right. sent it to I sent it to you people. Let's let's get the record. <laughs> what do you mean, you people? Thank straight. you. <laughs> what do you mean, you people? I mean, I I'm super excited. I'm super excited for this show as well, and I'm super excited for our never-ending coverage of all things Space Force. So <laughs> I hope that we will review every episode, and I think it's. Uh, I think it's interesting that the real Space Force general is out there smack talking Iran's failed launch of something. And I was like, is this a promo mm. for the show or is this yeah, real life? I, but it's a it's a real story. Yeah. Well, we may have to come up with a second podcast where we just review that week's, uh, you know, Space Force <laughs> Our bonus TV episodes. Show. Yeah, it'll be like the, the talking <laughs> dead only. It'll just be us talking about space, I guess. Excellent. <laughs> 
Now, Mark, uh, the big question is, are you going to watch it? Are you going to expand? I, I will, expand? but the yeah. thing is, I, I, I like to do things like 10 years after they're cool. So I will laggard. watch. Yeah, I, I, like I, I want to poo-poo everyone that watches. It's like <laughs> the Tiger King. I, I intend to watch it, but it'll be like 2029 or something before I get around to it. Maybe we'll have the answer to who Carapaz gets hostage yeah. by then. Well, did you see that she know, got duped into a radio means. interview the other day? Oh, wait. No, he does know really? something. Oh, then you need to We're look it up. Yeah, it and I love it. Yeah, yeah she, uh, <laughs> she got duped by, she thought she was being interviewed by producers for Jimmy Fallon's TV show, and it turned out it was just a couple of YouTube prankers. So <gasps> go and look that up. I don't know what uh, any word of, of that I, that I just said is. I'm just regurgitating what I read, and people seem to find that wildly humorous. So, <laughs> anyway, whatever that I don't know Carol Baskin. I don't know her brother Baskin Robbins. I don't know anybody. So <laughs> go and do whatever you're doing with it. All right. flavors. <laughs> uh, we're sticking with UFOs here uh, in space, but the Pentagon has declassified some UFO videos. And this comes to us from ABC News. The Pentagon has declassified three previously leaked top secret U.S. Navy videos that show unexplained aerial phenomena and that some believe could show UFOs in an effort to, quote, clear up any misconceptions on the public on whether or not the footage has been circulating was real or whether or not uh, there is more to the videos, said a Pentagon spokesperson. The aerial phenomena observed in the videos remains characterized as unidentified, the spokesperson added. UFOs, is this going to float your boat or not? Well, it's it's, fu it's funny that they're admitting that UFOs exist, but all that means is unidentified. It could right. be anything. It could be literally anything. They're not saying it's <laughs> extraterrestrial. They're only but saying it's unidentified. Now, with that stimulus money people are getting, I would invest in aluminum foil now because there are going to be so many more hats. Right. People are going to say, oh, the, even the government's admitting it now. And now the government will be a reliable source for these people because it fits the narrative that they want spun. So I, I'm, I've been Jeff, you and I are right there. That's <laughs> You're in my well, You camp. boys have fun with your foil hats. Yeah, because... <laughs> I, I am. Uh, I, I think it's like some sort of Elon Musk thing, or it's like DARPA's got some sort of space thing going on. I ref, I refuse to accept that it's extraterrestrial. But you, you know, to each their own. What do you think, Ashley? Is this going to be tasked out to the space force? I, I mean, it's got to be, right? Got to be. Mm. See Ooh. what I did there. Mm. That's interesting timing. Is this to it legitimize the existence scary. of Space Force? To make us fearful? Right. Of what was that coming? history? What oh. was that guy in the History Channel? For those who can't see, With the me, alien like, guy. Aliens. He <laughs> aliens. was just so excited. It's like they're out there. But everything, every single Favorite thing. Gift ever. I don't know if you've ever seen that show, uh, What on Earth? And no, it's, I haven't. Oh, it's it's another Discovery or Science Channel. And it, Basically, they look at satellite imagery and then they'll show something and it'll be like, they'll show this red river in the middle of Russia and they're like, could it be human sacrifice? Could it be the blood of mysterious sea animals? And the whole time you're sitting there going like, dude, it's iron residue runoff. Like, And then they're like, it could be this. And then they go to like the aliens guy and they're like, we can't explain it. And then somebody goes out there and they're like, oh yeah, it's iron residue runoff. And they're like, okay, coming up next, is this King Tut's... <laughs> You know, secret lover, and Your it's like Netflix no. Algorithm must be so interesting. This like people behind the screen are probably like, 
what is this man doing? <laughs> yeah, what are I, you watching? <laughs> yeah, I, I'll grant you that. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to say interesting is probably a word that does get used. Mm. <laughs> I watch it, you know, if it, you can only watch so many Bubble Guppies episodes every morning before you got to watch something that's a little more cerebral. So I usually go with the Science Channel. It's mm. It works yeah. for me. All right. Uh, speaking of that, cerebral, Jeff, uh, what was it? The bubble gu- bubble gumpies. Bubble guppies. Have you never gump? seen bubble guppies? Oh, no, I don't. God. I don't have you, children. You neither. You I, do. So yeah, you're lucky. I have okay. none that have found me to date. <laughs> so it's keep hiding. Stay in your bunker. <laughs> I changed my name and moved off. And, so it's well. I'm glad to hear that you're expanding to children's shows. It's the only way I can get them to sit there and eat their waffles without fighting with each other. So if, you know what, if I got to, if I got to put up with like kid guppies that are anthropomorphized, I'll do it. All right. uh, Speaking of somewhat sophomoric people, uh, what do you make of the Green Berets invading Venezuela? Uh, For those that haven't heard this story, this is from the AP uh, from a couple days ago, and there's a more recent update, but... The plan was simple but perilous. Some 300 heavily armed volunteers would sneak into Venezuela from the northern tip of South America. Along the way, they would raid military bases in the socialist country and ignite a popular rebellion that would end in Nicolas Madero, the president's arrest. What could go wrong? As it turns out, pretty much everything. The ringleader of the plot is now jailed in the U.S. on narcotics charges. Authorities in the U.S. and Colombia are asking questions about the role of his muscular American advisor, a former Green Beret, and dozens of desperate combatants who flocked to secret training camps in Colombia said they have been left to fend for themselves amid the coronavirus. And now today we've got an update where there's two Special Forces guys um, dressed in exactly what you would expect with like some Tevas on and some cargo shorts. And apparently they were armed and they were carrying their passports and they were picked up on the Venezuelan shore. Not a great look for the Green Berets today. Honestly, it's like the A team gone right. bad. Like it's just bad. like like the, the like face the, and they're the C team. The C team, <laughs> the Charlie team. When in doubt, Charlie out. <laughs> I I have uh, when I was a kid, we used to go on vacation to Venezuela back before it turned into what it is now. It was a lot cheaper to go to Venezuela than Florida back when I was a kid. So we would go to Caracas in the island of Maracaibo, and 300 heavily armed dudes is not going to make a lot of difference. Not in, I mean, you know, like, I don't care how heavily armed they are. That's It's like the, the guys who worry every year that uh, Texas is being invaded by a special forces unit with the Jade Helm guys. Like, I don't know exactly what 300 heavily armed dudes are going to do in Venezuela, but since everyone there is armed, I don't think they stand much of a chance. Jeff, what do you got on this? I don't think you guys are seeing the long-term big picture here. (laughs) Let's assume assume that these Green Berets are on an intricately uh, planned mission. And if you're going to cause a populist uprising, you do it from the inside. They meant to get arrested. And now they're there dealing with the the criminal element of that society. And they are going to spread hate and discontent for the system that put those people into prison. And they're going to they won't be alive when their mission accomplishes. But I, I can see it happening. 
What you part sound of this, like Murdoch right now. What, like what part of the secret Murdoch. plot, though, involved where the leader sent out a tweet and tagged President Trump in it? How secret is that? Did oh, you see that update today? That, I mean, I didn't that, see that, but that's that's pretty special. I mean, that is super top secret. He's running like double identity, triple identity. It's so eccentric. It's so out there, and it like it literally reminds me of a plot from the eighteen. Like. I am just right. like blown away. Like, at or least really, in the show they would like come out on top with some crazy shenanigans, but this just epically failed. Just epically, it's like, yeah, but the story's not over. I'm telling you, people. <laughs> all right, Mark. I, I, all I know is it. If I ever go to invade another country, I'm not bringing my passport with me because then they're just going to run a check. Like at the very least, I could go like, and I'm like, who are you? My name is okay. Jeff Daly. I served in the Marine Corps. Like, you know, hey, like, yeah. And they would say, no, you didn't, because otherwise I would be dead and your mission would be successful. So they wouldn't buy that for a second. I'll just say there, there may be kids looking for me out there. I don't know what's going on. All right, finally, here's another one for you, Jeff. Uh, the Marines, the United States Marine Corps, has succumbed to coronavirus in a colossal way. They are pausing the tape test. Apparently, in the Marine Corps, you guys call it the body composition program. In the Army, we called it Jelly Roll Patrol. But now they the are ABC pausing. Program. The what? In the Navy, they, in the Navy, they call it making program. chief. <laughs> I, I, I used to I, run the, uh, the Army body composition program. So. Is that what it was called? I always heard yeah. it was called Jelly Roll Patrol. I, I don't know. I was never on it. I was six foot I was one hundred. You probably weren't on Jelly Roll Patrol no. then, because no. <laughs> I was. <laughs> nice, <laughs> Jeff. What do you I, think? I, I mean, I, they're, they're caving really on think... haircuts. They're caving on body composition. I I feel like it's it's fine. It's you know, I went to boot when I went to boot camp. Uh, I was an Ethiopian private, which I now find disturbing. But it's so they they body shame across the spectrum. Yeah. So and then we had diet privates that had big red things because they couldn't get dessert, yep. or they would take their dessert and give it to those little skinny guys like I was then. But now I'm wondering if now you know Marines who were transferred to Civ Mardiv have the same kind of regulate that's civilian Marine Division. For those of us who are, you said former Marine before, and there's no such thing. So those of us who are transferred to Civ Mardiv, we can't wear our uniforms technically if we don't fit that aesthetic. So now I'm wondering, since this has been loosening, if I could sausage wrap into some blues and str strut around town right now. I will be looking at your Instagram for the next 48 hours. I'm 48 hour watch. I'm watching you. <laughs> if I put on my dress bruised, it's going to be like it's going to be like Chris Farley, like fat man and a little coat. I'm going to rip right through it, man. Oh no, That's no, no. Right don't give me your... jacket would be too. They made it when I was like 18 and I grew into my body, so I'm just like, "Oh, well, this is Yeah, okay. don't get me wrong. There's no way I'm wearing any uniform that was issued to me. <laughs> I like I can't even wear my cover. I try I got the I got the camo cover. I mean, but I was I was tiny when I went into the Marine Corps. I, I so. was very tiny as well. Like, I barely made weight. Like, actually, I remember my recruiter took me to Chipotle to eat before I went in to go weigh because I think it was like 112 or 115 or something. It was something stupid, and I was like super super skinny. 
Um, I say that I'm still not good looking, but not 115 pounds anymore, like skinny. So I re- I wrestled in college. I was six one, 150 when I joined the army. Ooh. I think I gained like 20 pounds at basic training. Like that was the most I had I, eaten. I gained a lot of weight. Yeah, when I was there. like it was the first I time I was like lost a lot of weight. Had to get put on an eating profile, which is so funny you say that because I was one of those skinny kids. They had like two extra minutes to eat before they were like, flip your cup, flip your cup. Like literally they're like, here. I remember a drill sergeant threw a uh, Fig Newton at me. They're like, they're like, gee, eat some food or you will break during this run. And I was like, like, literally got pulled into the office. And my first sergeant, who she is amazing. She actually just wrote a book, which is super cool. Like this is a woman who like, when we ran Cadence, her bellow, like the bellow of her cadence. She had like demon dragon tattoos and stuff. Like it would get, it would send chills down your body. Like super badass. Okay, like deployed, did a bunch of cool stuff. Anyway, I digress. This woman terrified me. Mad respect. Pulled me aside and was like, "Are you trying to not eat to get out of this army?" And I was like, "No, for sergeant. I love food. I love food so much. I just I." I'm just losing more weight than I can put on. And she was like, well, we're going to change that. So I had two extra minutes to eat. And I ended up leaving basic training almost 130 pounds muscle. Like, super beast. But I, I, and I, I don't went, really like I went the to idea of having to run. Running with a belly full of Fig Newtons just does yeah, not sound just, like a good yeah. thing right now. I also never met a first sergeant when I was in boot camp. Like, ever. Yeah. Nope. I don't think I did either. I, and I think a gunny would have scared me, like, <laughs> like the company gunny. I had, I had a, I had a, a staff sergeant, a drill sergeant, who like ten years after I got out, like I had been working at the um, Association of the United States Army convention, and I was at a booth, and I heard his voice from about three tables away, and the fact that I didn't, the fact that I didn't pee myself <laughs> is one of the great moments in my life, like. I just heard him and I was like, oh my God, it's him. Like, I n- knew it was instantly him. I still have a healthy fear of my drill sergeants and I haven't been in for 15 years now. I will never Crazy. forget Drill Sergeant Casanova. She was amazing. Like, that woman did not play. Like, I think I learned the, like, she taught me, like, she would just take all the, all the all the women aside and be like, listen, like, this is how it's going to go. This is how it's going to be. Like, work your butt off. Do what you need to do. Like, stay out of trouble. Like, there was a lot of guidance that she provided, and it was really neat. So I did a, a co-op, so or not co- a co-ed, excuse me, and I was with men and women during my military police training. So, like, I was doing the same running. I was rucking the same, humping the same weight, right? Like, I was doing all of the same stuff. So it was really unique to have both male and female drill sergeants. And um, just some of that, it was just, it was a very unique experience. And I tell folks all the time, like the shenanigans, like we talked about the Fig Newton. I remember I was, I was actually the PT stud. I got to carry the guide on um, for a very long time in training. It was like 18 out of 21 weeks. It was something stupid. And um, what ended up happening was, so because of that, they selected me to shoot the AT4 live round, which was awesome. And I remember... I was setting up everything, like back blast area clear, right? And my uh, drill sergeant was in front of me and he was like, Private, if you do not do this correctly, I swear to God, when we both get to heaven, I will be waiting outside those gates for eternity. I will make you push for the remainder. I will not, like, and he was like, you will hear my echoes for the remainder of your life. Like, I will never forget those. Like, he was te- I was terrified. Well, that's what, that is what a drill instructor is supposed to be. Yes. This, right. Here's terrifying. how, here's how it, 
here's how it goes and this no. is what I want you to do but is if, not if you don't put that, that AT4 downrange right now there's going to be hell to pay and I should whatever you know blah so huh, terrified so I'm like okay and I remember I flipped the box where the red the red button is yeah. right for the AT4 and I, I aimed and I shot it. I was the first one in four cycles to actually hit the tank. And at the top of the hill, the entire company was sitting in the bleachers. And I over all my ear pro, everything, like all I could see was this smoke explosion. And then everyone in the crowd, like everyone on the hill was just like, it was like it was crazy. We and need my, to make it. We need to make a, a Rudy with her, where we she fires an AT4, <laughs> and then Jeff and I carry her out. <laughs> yes. Well, I remember I I got done. I took my ear my ear pro and my head stuff off, and my one drill sergeant's running down the hill, and I was like terrified. <laughs> oh my god! And he's like, I taught her that. I taught her that. He goes, You get Fig Newtons. You get Fig Newtons. And I. Am serious what is the when thing? I say, what is uh, the thing with Fig Newtons in Army? It was literally like the cookie bar. Like there was no sweets. Like that was the thing. It was. They're like, from Massachusetts. There's nothing wrong with Fig Newtons. It's like Necco wafers. I'm just saying it's a constant. It's a constant theme in these it was, it Army boot camps. That is the the cookie brought to you by my military. You know, <laughs> OSET training was Fig Newton. He brought a whole box. Mine would just be sand from a pit. Dumped it in front of me, like dumped a whole box of Fig Newtons in front of me while I had sat down for a chow. He goes, "Private, you eat as many as you want." And I literally took two, and he he started like throwing them at me. He was trying to get it, put it in my water cup. I was like, "Drill sergeant, I don't I don't need more Fig Newtons." He goes, "I'm proud of you," and yeah. he walked away. I'll never forget <laughs> that. Well, we're supposed to go to parting shots now. Ashley, did you want to just do some more on Fig Newtons? Or did you... <laughs> I mean, this, this message is brought to you by Fig Newtons, the right. delicious, <laughs> the magically delicious bar in a yellow wrapper. Um, shout outs. Um, so, um, oh gosh, I had a good one. Oh, so I think my, my shout out is um, so it is Military Appreciation Month. Um, I just want to say that there are, you know, some major observances that are coming up Memorial Day. That is a day specifically to remember those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice. We have Armed Forces Day, which is to honor those that are continuing to wear this, uh, the uniform. Um, and, you know, we've got National Poppy Day. We've got Military Spouse Appreciation Day. Um, we just had Military Brats Day. Like, there are so many observances in this month that I just want to give a shout out to all of those uh, families, uh, veterans. Um, you know, this month is about you, and I just want to throw out there that there are opportunities for, um, like, Appreciation Month discounts. So be sure to, you know, look out for those, especially, I know, with, with COVID kind of restricting a lot of travel. Um, but look for those different opportunities for you and your family this month, um, you know, and, and really, you know, during Memorial Week, I just ask, you know, like, you know, pay your respects. And, um, um, yeah, that, that's what I got. That's my shout-out. Jeff, what do you got? All right, parting shot. All right, I'm gonna have. Uh, I'm gonna. What I'm gonna shout out are the organizations that uh, partner with local posts. So, in in the Hollywood Post 43 post, we have a lot of members who are also members of Veterans in Media and Entertainment, uh, which obviously is is a significant uh, organization here in Hollywood for veterans to be a part of. We also have some great 
work being done with another group called MVP, Merging Vets and Players, where they take combat veterans and uh, professional and Division One athletes, and they work out together, and then they they kumbaya at the end and uh, share feelings and just talk about stuff. And they do a really, really great job of doing things like the buddy checks. They, they're so amazing at that. And if one of their people's, if one of their people gets into a situation and needs assistance, they swarm to help that person. So it's the Legion to me is a hub of of uh, veteran activity in the community and the associations that we make with groups like VME and MVP are amazing uh, and I hope that every other post out there is is making connections outside of just their own four walls. MVP, is that the one run by that, uh, I can't remember his name, he was a Green Beret, it was a long snapper, Boyer? Nate Boyer, yeah. Nate Boyer, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's he, yeah. that's a great program, yeah. Uh, I did not have a parting shot, but as we were talking about basic training, I remembered the the name of my drill sergeant. So my shout out is going to be to Sergeant First Class Strawbridge. Uh, he was with Echo 119 Infantry at Fort Benning, Georgia, back in August to January of '93 when I went in. Uh, greatest drill sergeant in the history of the world. But he, uh, every time he got mad, his voice would go higher. And by the end, he just sounded like a cartoon character, but he was so scary <laughs> that it wasn't funny at all. Uh, but my, my shout out's gonna be to Sergeant First Class Strawbridge, Echo would 119 be, Infantry. So would it be it, awesome if, if he answered you? No, no, it wouldn't. I, I remember when I was <laughs> at the, the Citadel, <laughs> when I was at the Citadel, there was, a, uh, there was an upperclassman, James Darren Byers, who is now apparently an attorney in North Carolina. And I remember I had written something on a blog a while ago about how, like, even thinking about this guy still just sent me, like, shivering and just, like, the guy scared me that much. And he actually emailed me once, and I just deleted it right away. Like, he, like the terror has existed for that long. And I was just like, oh, my God. And, like, uh, he's a lawyer now, and, like, his assistants were all wrote to me. And, like, he's such a nice guy. I'm like, no, he's not. No, he's not. He's like death. The man was death. He scared me. And so, yeah, that's my trauma. That's why I watch the documentaries, because men scare me like that. <laughs> Strawbridge, totally James noted. Darren, James Darren Byers of Romeo Company at the Citadel. If he's out there, don't call in. I don't want to talk to you. You're just, you're just going gonna, gonna to make me wear Depends undergarments while I do this thing. And that's not a good look for anybody. We can All right, guys. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm good. I'm good for now. Thanks, though. <laughs> guys, thank you once again for joining me. We probably went a little over on this one, but so it goes, right? What are you going to do? 